Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by Chris Hansen. You may know Chris from his short film, The Day I Disremembered. Chris shares his fly fishing journey, and we talk a little brown liquor and barbecue. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend, and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And I just returned from IFTD in Salt Lake City. It was great to see so many old friends and to make new ones. I got to spend some time with my buddy Phil Montano of Artisan Angler. If you're looking for a better way to organize your flies, tippet, and tools, you should check out the fly trap at artisananglerllc.com. I've dropped the link in the show notes. Phil sells direct through Amazon, so you get prime shipping and free returns. It doesn't get any easier than that. Make your time on the water more productive and check out the fly trap today. Now, on to our interview. Well, Chris, welcome to the Articulate Fly. Thanks so much, Marvin. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and we have a tradition on the Articulate Fly. We always ask all of our guests to share their earliest fishing memory. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, well, that's a tough one. I, I think um, I think probably the earliest, which is kind of weird because uh, I live in Colorado now. We've been here for, I think, uh, maybe around 10, 11, 12 years, and I think my earliest memory is actually spin fishing with my biological grandparents um, in Colorado, visiting from Minnesota because I was born and raised in Minnesota. So, yeah, I think that's the earliest on, on a lake um, fishing for rainbow trout. And I can't tell you, I think I caught something. I remember playing around with an axe and almost cut my toe off, but. That's my earliest memory. Yeah, well, there you go. So when did you come to the dark side of fly fishing? You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was uh, my birthday, uh, June 2016. Yeah, that's pretty impressive because you've, you've made a movie, uh, you host trips. Um, I see you on Instagram. You got all kinds of ambassador stuff. You know, who are some of the people that have mentored you on your fly fishing journey to help you grow as an angler so quickly? My mentor's you know, um, when I first got in and actually even today, uh, you know, I, I fly fish all the time. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a student of fly fishing and always learning, but, uh, the people that really, um, I, I learned so much from and I continue to are, uh, John Easton in Colorado here, uh, Pat Dorsey, Matt McCannell and Landon Mayer. Um, all those guys I've learned, I, I mean, kind of spoiled, right? Like some of the best in the industry and I've learned so much and continue to learn so much from them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny too, cause people fly fish for different reasons. Why do you fly fish, Chris? Well, for me, it's interesting because I, I've always had an attraction to rivers, uh, way before fly fishing, was never much of a spin fisherman and there's something about the moving water, um, the sound. And so that is a big part of it. Uh, but really it's, you know, getting out away from everything, um, relaxing. Most of the places I fish in Colorado, there's not cell phone reception. So it really forces me to, you know, just, um, enjoy the day and, um, and focus on, um, being out and being away from, you know, stress and it gives me time 
to think about things I didn't have time to think about. Um, and you know, it's, it actually kind of reminds me of, um, <laughs> racing sled dogs like years ago when I did that, uh, some of the solitude and, and just, you know, clear mind and not a lot of noise and sound going on. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, uh, lack of cell phone reception was one of the main reasons that I started fly fishing in Montana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness for me. Cause if, it, you know, I mean, I'll be the first to admit if, if I had reception, uh, it would not be enjoyable because I would be tending to emails and everything else. Yeah. I, I used to work for a large law firm and they just couldn't leave you alone. And, um, you know, if I, I was as, if I told them that I was on the moon, I couldn't have been had more solitude. Right. But, but, you know, it's interesting too, right? Because really kind of, you know, much of your journey to fly fishing is distilled in your film from last year, the day I disremembered. You want to tell us a little bit about the movie? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's really, when you ask me, you know, why do I fly fish? Uh, you know, it's really how I got started into fly fishing and really what I needed. I was, um, we were on vacation and, uh, we were packing up to leave and I started asking my wife some odd questions. Um, what I remember is just the part about asking about the balcony uh, at the hotel we were at. It, it overlooked the ocean. And I said, we should have had breakfast out here. And, you know, we should have spent time out here, have dinner. And she said, we've had breakfast out here. We ate breakfast here this morning. And um, I said, wow, uh, I don't, I don't want to worry you, honey, but I don't remember any of that. And so that kind of started on this uh, crazy ordeal of, uh, hospital. My wife thought I was having a stroke and, um, and it turned out I had, uh, what they call, um, transient global amnesia. And so, um, it's, it's kind of bizarre because even every time I talk about it, I don't know what it is, but it just kind of, kind of stirs me up and it's kind of a heavy, kind of a heavy thing to think about, which is weird but just the effect, you know, it has. And so, um, uh, ultimately really what it was, was, you know, the doctor said, do you have, you know, stress in your life? <laughs> yes. Um, do you work all the time? Uh, do you have migraines? Yes. Um, and so I kind of had these different things that were common threads of people that have, uh, been affected by this. And so they, you know, they really said, you have to reduce your stress. Um, you have to figure out something to do to get you away from work, something to relax you. And that's how fly fishing came in. We, we got home and I didn't change a thing <laughs> and just kept, uh, working like I always do. And my wife said, you can't keep doing this. And, uh, we had talked about fly fishing cause we were in Colorado and, uh, thought, you know, it looks, it looks fun. And she booked a, uh, guided trip um, for me, uh, on my birthday. And that's what started this, uh, obsession, I guess you could say, but something that was really needed in my life. Yeah, really neat. But you know, you need to reduce your stress. So you're like, well, I'll take up fly fishing, but then I want to make a movie about my experience. Right. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> right. Right. So, so what made you decide that you wanted to make a short film kind of sharing your journey to fly fishing? Wow. You know, I have, um, and I think for people that have, uh, been around me, communicate, <clears throat> excuse me, communicated with me, they know this. Uh, I'm an extreme introvert extrovert, you know, because of my job. Um, and I really truly enjoy working, working with clients and I'm in my element. Uh, but it probably takes me, it takes me more energy cause it's not natural for me. Um, and so I don't have this introvert side and, um, and I mentioned that because making the film, it was like the same thing, which is, you know, it'd be great to, it'd be great to tell my story. Um, I don't know that I necessarily thought it would help people. Um, but I think, uh, I definitely thought, you know, people could relate to it. And, uh, and probably the main reason is I had been, I have been trying to write a memoir of, of sorts and, uh, was a, was a struggle. And so the film kind of gave me this opportunity to go, I could tell a little bit about my life. I, um, touch on those things, talk about transient global amnesia and how I got into fly fishing. And, um, and so then kind of started this whole idea, uh, of deciding to do it. Yeah. Very neat. What's it like to see your life's journey distilled into a short film and have it projected up on the big screen? Uh, because it's so, because I, I talk about some serious things, it's pretty overwhelming, actually. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and it, it's, it's, I'm definitely proud of it, too. You know, I, I, I watch it and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty surreal. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in, in the whole movie making process, you know, what was kind of the greatest challenge or greatest surprise? Definitely, it was deciding, as I started to write the script, so to speak, of what I wanted to talk about it, it was um, about transient global amnesia and fly fishing, but I felt like I needed to tell this story leading up to it, and then it was this struggle of, as I'm putting it to paper, I'm like, why am I telling people this? Um, <laughs> this is, this is too personal or should I, you know, should I really, you know, talk about this? And to the point where I, a couple times was just like, I don't know where I'm going with this thing. It's, it's too, it's too much. And I was going to stop. And then I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna, uh, lay it out there and, um, and tell my story. And so, uh, you know, that was, um, definitely a, a challenge that once I got past and it was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. Got it. And so you kind of worked on the script and storyboard, you know, tell us a little bit about how you found your videographers. Yeah. So the one, um, Rob Herman, he's a photographer, videographer here amazing, uh, really talented. And I had, um, told him just about 
transient global amnesia and I wanted to do this film and like talk about somebody who asked me over and over for the script and what this was about so he could get the correct um, shots and B-roll and everything. And I kept telling him over and over, yeah, I'll, I'll get it to you, uh, no problem. And we had these outings planned. And, like, I don't know how he pulled it off, but he just, he captured everything. And he literally didn't know any of the details um, besides those two things. And um, and so, uh, yeah, so that, that, that was amazing. And then Tim, who did the um, editing, was... Like, yeah, he, he's the one who really made the, the film what it is and, and pulled together those shots. Uh, and my brother did the interview sections. So um, he just did an awesome, awesome job of making me feel comfortable. Uh, my wife, Bobby Joe, uh, she's in it and just kind of really, you know, getting that real you know, uh, comfortable place to, to talk about some of the different things I talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And how many days did it take you to to shoot the video? Let's see the the interview the interview spots were kind of like two two to three times to get together um, to film. But I had you know really worked on what I wanted to talk about, and then the video that Rob did was. Um, Decker's outing on the South Platte, um, I think a couple in Cheeseman Canyon, and uh, and then one over on the Uncompadre. Un well, that was actually two or three days of shooting um, on the Uncompadre all at once. Yeah, it's always amazing to me how many you know hours of film you need to produce like a fifteen or twenty minute short. <laughs> yeah. So much video, and especially for a guy that didn't know what it was going to be about, and then, you know, yeah, the hours involved in that, and then the editing process of looking through. Of course, I helped look through some of the video and kind of pointed Tim to, you know, hey, what about this and what about that? But he also kind of turned things upside down, so to speak, where he said, how about in your script and um, instead of starting with this, we start with this and then let's put this over here. And it was, yeah, that was a fun process. Yeah, very neat. And, you know, so, you know, obviously it was personally challenging from a telling the story part and then kind of the execution part, but kind of what did you learn about yourself going through the whole process? Um, I, yeah, what did I learn? Um, Probably that it's okay to, um, I think, you know, it's okay to, you know, talk about these things, um, you know, fly fishing and guys, not just guys. I mean, fly fishing in general can be pretty ego driven and, you know, about the big fish and how good you are and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I think to talk about something that, um, you know, serious and, uh, what really surprised me is like all of the messages and 
mostly from Instagram, but on, on, um, yeah, mostly from Instagram, uh, and people texting me that, you know, knew my phone number and saying, like telling me these stories of a relative or a friend or themselves of what they went through, like some stuff where you're just like, wow. I mean, and they're telling me all this. And so that was such a, a cool part of it. Yeah, I think it's always, you know, it's really challenging to be vulnerable that way, but then it's always amazing to see kind of what gets reflected back to you. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, And so, you know, you've done a movie, you're kind of working on a memoir. you have any more movies in your future? Definitely. Um, and I, well, you know, yes, I guess <laughs> now that I think about it, what I learn about myself, uh, I learned... You know, like I, I want to do, I don't think of myself as, you know, uh, um, creating films, but, um, I was like, I really enjoy this process. I want to do this. And so I have two right now that I'm working on, uh, about other people. And my goal is to hopefully do one to two a year. And they're going to be about why people fly fish, um, more than, you know, all, you know, kind of the main reasons we fly fish, which people don't have to have. There's a deeper meaning, but there's a lot of people that do. Um, they do have a deeper meaning. They do have a very serious part of it and how they got into fly fishing and overcoming some incredible things. And so I want to tell other people's stories and, and have them share, you know, what fly fishing means to them. Interesting. And is that because of how you came to fly fishing or have you always had a part of you that liked to tell stories? Um, I think mainly, I think because of the process, you know, with this, but you know, the memoir thing started before that because, um, I've had a lot of unique, um, I've, I've had a unique upbringing and, uh, things that I've done. And when I, would talk to friends and um, people I'd meet and, you know, the conversation uh, felt comfortable enough to start talking about these things. Uh, you know, it, it, people find it interesting. And so um, there's that part of wanting to share that and then going through the flight, the, the film um, and all these like outpouring of people telling me, you know, how they can relate to it or why they fly fish because of this, traumatic thing that happened to them i was just like this would be yeah this would really be fun to to tell people's stories yeah and to kind of follow up on that you know if if you if for folks that haven't watched the film they need to watch the film but once you do it you know one thing that jumped out at me is that you know you're a pretty tough and resilient guy and uh, I, i wanted to ask you you know where does that perseverance in the face of adversity come from for you Um, I don't, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know that, um, I don't know that I would say I was tough. I, I think the perseverance, I mean, I've always, from as long as I can remember, have been a all or nothing person, you know, and, uh, fly fishing is one of them. Like you're saying, you know, wow, you just started fly fishing and 
by no means do I think, and I know I'm not anybody special within fly fishing. I'm just, I'm learning, but like, you know, I, I fly fish all, all the time and, and just learning to be a student of fly fishing and learning from people. Um, and, and I've always been that way work, uh, when I got into sled dogs years ago. And I, I think there's part of, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I, I definitely don't, but there is, um, there's a part of me that, um, probably is always having something to prove. And I think, uh, I think that probably can be from, um, you know, dropping out of school, getting my GD, got my GD later, but, um, talking with people and, you know, not being around people and kind of judging because of your, uh, career path or education. And, um, uh, I think probably because my biological father's, uh, you know, still out there and, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm 51 now, so it's, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of past it, I guess, but maybe just, you know, having that, uh, little bit of something to prove, but I think part of it is just what you go through. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I can take credit for a lot of it. I think it's things that I've gone through and for some reason, you know, I'm very blessed that, you know, I've been able to, you know, kind of move, move past it, so to speak. Um, I didn't talk about it in the film, but my older sister, um, who I'm not in contact with, um, biological sister, I mean, she's had a tough road, tough life. And we went through, you know, the same thing and some other things I, you know, don't talk about in the film. And so I, I don't know that I can really take credit for it as much as just, uh, you know, having a, having this drive that has always been there with me. Yeah, and I mean, and kind of maybe is in an odd way, is it also that, you know, the more adversity you overcome, the more confident you are that you can overcome future adversity? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's probably a, probably a good point. Probably, probably the truth is, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't look at a lot of things as things, um, oh, I mean, I, <laughs> how am I going to do this type of thing? But just having the, you know, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to get through it. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I look at my life and go, I really, I wouldn't change anything. The The only thing I would change is I wish I had memories of my biological mother and I wish I had a, had had a relationship with her. Um, but beyond that, I really don't have any regrets because all of those things I know, for good and bad, make me who I am today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about this in a little bit different way earlier in the interview, you know, about having one speed and um, working too much. And, you know, persevering and being resilient takes a lot of energy. Um, and so, you know, how how do you sustain that energy so that you can continue to be resilient? Yeah, you know, I think that's the the good and the bad. Where um, I, I just I, I fly fishing has made it so that I, when I go fly fishing now and I go back to work, 
I'm so much more focused, refocused and energized, um, than, um, before, which is, you know, kind of a constant, you know, weight. And it just, I, you know, I just have one, I have one speed and that's, you know, just really going after it and continuing after it. And I don't really know. I, I think, um, when you ask how, how and the energy and stuff. So I, I typically, my migraines are not a a regular monthly thing. I typically get one, uh, a migraine a handful of times a year and they are, um, they put me down for a day. They typically 2 a.m. I wake up. Um, I start feeling it before then, but 2 a.m. and I'm out until 4 p.m. the next day. Um, incredible pain, nauseous, horrible. And I really, I know that every time leading up to that is really because of my stress, lack of sleep, um, you know, those kind of things in my body just saying enough is enough. And so fly fishing has kind of helped that a little, but I, I still, I still have those. Um, so I don't know that I manage, manage my work and, um, perseverance that well is just, you know, how, how I'm made up. And I, and I actually, one more thing, I think I'm a big goal setter. And, um, before I knew what setting goals were, uh, I just naturally had these ideas of what I wanted to do and accomplish. And then later in life, when I heard about goal setting and, you know, writing it down, planning it out, I'm very much that way. And I think that's what, you know, really helps me, um, accomplish and continue to, you know, work through the different things of what I'm trying to, um, do in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I can remember too, I was thinking back as I was preparing for the interview about the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago and, you know, one of the things that came out of that is I could really tell that you were a people first person. Uh, and then that was kind of your approach. And I was kind of curious about, you know, where that came from. And similarly to uh, the perseverance and resilience question, you know, how are you able to maintain that approach? Because at least I can speak for myself. I sometimes find that challenging to do when there's a lot of stress and stuff has to get done. Yes, I funny because I, I took one of those um, personality tests for this big job I, I took in Texas when we first moved out of Minnesota, um, being a uh, e-commerce director of this uh, automotive dealership. And that was one of the managers, and uh, I took this test, and this lady's like, I've never seen anyone score totally opposite in things. And she's like, for you, sales and people, it's going to take a lot of energy for you. And, you know, you're probably more suited for something else. And I took offense to that um, because I built my career into getting this offer and out there. And and I it took me a few years later to understand the energy where it didn't come natural to me, even though it, um, my my it was natural to take care of people and to um, really do what I say I'm going to do and caring about 
what I'm doing for them. But the, you know, the talking and, you know, the personal interaction um, is, is, you know, more draining for me because I'm not, um, you know, this people person driven. Uh, but I, I think, I think ultimately the answer is the, the things that I've gone through. I think some people could be the opposite where because of things that happen in their life, then they, you know, feel like, um, they, they don't want to, um, they don't care about people. People let them down. Uh, where for me, um, you know, uh, I mean, I was adopted and, and lots of other great things, you know, that happened, um, where I just, I, I care about what I do and honesty and integrity and, um, and really wanting to help people. And it's just something that, uh, that I've had for as, as long as I can remember. I mean, I've obviously made bad decisions along the way, like anybody else. But, you know, for me, even in, you know, working in, you know, my company now, I've never been money motivated. It's all been about, you know, um, goals that I wanted to achieve and helping people and, you know, um, following through with what I say. And, and that part of it means, you know, a lot to me. And I don't know, maybe some, a bit of acceptance, uh, of, you know, being someone, someone, uh, that they can count on. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when you're, when you're answering the question, it made me think about when you were talking about, um, having conversations with your colleagues about, you know, giving difficult client stuff that they maybe didn't even pay for because they really needed it to be successful. Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, at, um, at work, you know, like anytime, you know, employees, uh, things that come up and, you know, Hey, what, what's the, what should we do with this situation? And, um, they've gone through enough of it where they know I'm, going to say what's the right thing to do what should we do sure this you know and that but what should we do what's the right thing to do and um we kind of always uh we always follow that um and then they know you know they know they're more comfortable they know um what to do and uh you know it's we don't do it because of that but it's interesting how many clients have canceled and then um called us back up a few months later, a year later, and said, you know, hey, we want to work with you again. This other company, it wasn't what we thought it would be. Yeah. Well, and and shifting gears a little bit on a much, much lighter note, uh, the rumor has it, Chris, that you like bourbon and barbecue. (laughs) Yes, very much so. So so I have to ask you, being a Southerner, uh, what is your favorite bourbon? So that's a tough one. If anyone has, for those who've seen my um, secret hidden bourbon fly fishing room, they know I have quite a few. I don't think I could say what's my favorite, but I will say that the two that I am really into right now is 291 out of Colorado Springs 
uh, and not just because they're in the Colorado Springs. They've actually been winning some awards. Uh, all their bourbon is finished in Aspen, um, which is uh, really different. Um, they use Aspen staves to finish it. And, uh, and, I, and I'm a big bourbon and rye. Um, and then Driftless Glen out of Wisconsin their whole lineup. Um, those are kind of the two that I'm really into right now, but I love, you know, a lot of the, you know, Kentucky bourbons, um, you know, you name it. I, although I don't chase, you know, unicorn, I I don't, you know, yeah. So that means no pappy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of pappies, like last year, um, on my hosted trip, a guy brought a bottle uh, and it's awesome. Like it lives up to its name. But that being said, I honestly can say like when you drink, like this was the 12 year, I mean, I think it retails for 60 retail. You can't buy for that. That's what it is. I mean, it's a 60 to $80 bottle. You know, I kind of look at that for numbers. So it's, it's amazing. It's good. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think, and do you like yours neat, or do you like it with a little bit of ice? I drink all mine neat. Uh, I do like cocktails, so I do, you know, mix um, old fashions, Manhattans. Um, I, I, you know, smoke some of it. I mean, I, I love making really good handcrafted cocktails, but uh, if I'm not doing that, I drink everything neat. Yeah. Um, some of the higher proof, I might put a couple couple, three, four drops of water. Um, but yeah, I love, uh, love drinking it neat. Yeah. Well, we'll have to try some of that while we're together in Salt Lake city, maybe. Um, yes. Yeah. And Definitely. Then, yeah. And then of course you also, you like barbecue. What's your favorite style of barbecue? Um, so I, uh, I, um, barbecue and smoke, um, myself and, and do a lot of it. And so I honestly can say I like all the different types of barbecue and I can appreciate them. Um, I tend to, for instance, like when I smoke ribs, I do like this, you know, dry, I don't cover them with barbecue sauce. So I'm typically somebody that likes to have it without barbecue sauce and I add a little bit as I need or, or want. I, so I don't really, you know, smother things, but when I go to different areas in Texas and North Carolina, like I can really enjoy and appreciate each style of barbecue across the country. Yeah. I, I will confess I'm an Eastern North Carolina barbecue person. So, uh, okay. that's a family from that part of the world. And, um, even after a brief tour of duty in Texas, we almost got in a couple fights, um, talking about what was and wasn't barbecue. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. You'd think I, I'd have, I'd be more opinionated about it, but, um, uh, and, yeah, I'm not trying to appease everybody. I, I, I do like the different, all the different kinds. Yeah. And, and so we were, we talked about this a little bit earlier too. So, um, you know, you, you, you're running hosted trips. You want to tell folks, I know your current one's full, but you want to tell folks about kind of what you generally do and what the program is. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, it's interesting how that all came about, too. You know, it was really about um, being invited up to Alaska to this lodge through a friend of mine who I met through social media um, that was a consultant. And and that's how I ended up there, went with my brother, hit it off with the owner, um, who, after I started doing hosted trips, he started asking me more about my company and what we do. And so he's actually a client now and, and, and really a, a close fr- friend, Bob. He's just, he's a great guy. Uh, but anyways, the hosted trip. So that's kind of how that came about is I thought I'd love to do a hosted trip. You know, um, what do you think about that, Bob? Would that be okay? He goes, if you want to do that, anything you want to do, just let me know how. So we started talking about it. And so there's a June one, which really kind of started because June is slower so he's like, I think you could put something together for that. And I'm like, well, what can we do? He's like, you don't even know. Like, there's so much you can do in June up here. And the weather is the most consistent for flying than any of the months. And so I said, okay. So we do a June trip where we go, everything's on the fly. We fish for lake trout, um, big pike. Uh, we fly out to those um, in a beaver land in these remote areas, uh, grayling, uh, arctic char, dolly varden, and rainbow trout, and uh, and last year, some sockeye salmon, and so it's fun because it's different techniques, um, different fish, flies, and you're catching all these different species, and we do a drift trip, and then flying out to places, and it's just a lot of uh, fun, and it gives somebody an experience I think beyond what the typical thing you're thinking of with Alaska, you know, go for the salmon and uh, grayling, of course, people know about. So to catch these other species, it's it's so much fun. And then the September trip is really all about silver salmon um, and, and chasing those and flying out to these uh, silver salmon that are coming in from the ocean. And they're just like rockets. So that's fun. But we also... Um, drift trip, rainbows, Dolly Varden, um, char, uh, we're still going after several different species. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Same, same lodge, uh, up in Alaska, sold out in the area, sold out in the area. Yeah. Very, very neat. And do you have any other kind of upcoming events or projects you want to share with our listeners? Um, let's see, you know, I really, it's those other films I'm working on and um, no, I, th- I think that's, uh, I think so. you know, I guess the other thing is for anybody listening that uh, has watched my film or maybe they are going to after the podcast and, and they would like to share their story. Um, you know, I'd love for that to be one of my upcoming uh, uh, projects um, that I do as well. And then uh, yeah. That'd be great. And and what's the best way best way for folks to reach out to you if they have something they want to share like that? I would say uh, two different ways. I mean, Instagram. You, um, I, I reply to everybody. Uh, so if someone you know goes to Chris J Hansen, that's my Instagram. Uh, it's also my website, uh, chrisjhansen.com. So you could reach out um, to me via Instagram or go to uh, chrisjhanson.com. It's uh, H-A-N-S-O-N, by the way. And um, 
I think I have a contact form on there. Yeah, and I'll drop all that stuff in the show notes. And and where's the best place for folks to uh, to check out the day I disremembered? If uh, if they go to YouTube and um, search for the day I disremembered, uh, that pops up. Uh, that film it is on my Chris J Hansen um, website, uh, but if you search it in YouTube, uh, it pops up. So it's um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll drop that in the show notes too. And, you know, Chris, are there any other kind of flavors of, uh, you know, social media that you want to share with folks? I think you've covered it all, but I want to give you one last shot at it before I let you go this evening. I'm, I'm really not uh, that active on Facebook. I do have, um, do have it connected, but you know, Instagram is, is really the main, uh, um, social media platform that I use and, uh, and post regular on, um, you know, my fishing outings and adventures I'm going on and, um, for people that follow me and have already, you know, looked at posts and stuff I do, uh, from time to time, um, you know, share some other thoughts beyond, uh, you know, just catching fish and kind of how it relates to life and everything. So, yeah. And I guess too, you've got a great page on your personal website. If people want to go and look at kind of your digital media company's work and fly fishing, they can check that out there too, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 3G engagement. Um, we do, uh, a lot of fly fishing guides and shops and work with that. Uh, that really was spawned just from my passion for fly fishing. And so I wanted to, um, you know, if I, if I thought I could help, um, shops and guides, you know, uh, with more business online and generating more business and sales that, um, have a lot to offer. And that's really kind of how even that client uh, base grew outside of my, automotive restaurant and other you know types of businesses that we typically work with uh very cool i'm going to drop all that stuff in the show notes and chris i really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your evening to chat with me oh thank you marvin it's uh um it was was fun uh visiting with you and uh really appreciate you inviting me absolutely and i look forward to seeing you next week in salt lake city take care likewise yeah looking forward to it Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Again, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating interview in the podcatcher of your choice. Tight lines, everybody.